Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And honestly, I did not expect us to revisit the malls from our childhoods in the same breath as every kind of hostage action movie I've ever watched. I know, Lisa Joe. this conversation is so important and serious, but I don't think I've laughed so hard in at least 50 episodes. So all joking sort of aside, here is how not to be held hostage by guilt. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. Lisa Joe, I'm still thinking about last week's episode. And listeners, if you don't know, we started a new series, a little mini series, uh, taking us into the winter holidays here called How Not to Be Held Hostage. And we started with holiday shopping. So for today's conversation, Lisa Joe, I want you to do and our listeners to do a little mental exercise. Picture yourself holiday shopping. <laughs> I know, I know. In your car and you're driving to a big uh like 1980s style shopping mall with the big parking lots. So this is why I want you to picture that the parking lots, the mall with all the little shops, you know. Um like uh so I don't know what would have been in your mall experience growing up in South Africa, Lisa Joe, but in my mall experience growing up, we had the Bombay Company that was like fancy house stuff. We had like Spencer Gifts. We had the place selling like the Doc Martens, the place with the Esprit purses and the Swatch watches. I always remember <laughs> the Things Remembered store where you could get things yes! engraved. And I was like, what can I get engraved? And I would always be panicking like, I've only got four days to Christmas. Can I get something engraved? Something in engraved. <laughs> I feel like quite a few of the wedding gifts I received for my wedding in 19... Oh, gosh, Lisa Joe, when was I married? The end of 1996 came from A Thing Remembered or whatever it was called. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, Okay, so picture that mall because what we're talking about today is how not to be held hostage by guilt. And if you're not so sure about that word, Lisa Joe and I have decided that guilt this time of year, it's like a it's like a shopping mall. It's like we pull into the parking lot and there's the guilt that finds us there. And then we go into the shopping mall and there are like 37 flavors of guilt <laughs> in each little shop. <laughs> so we we've kept it vague because we are going to be talking about all the flavors of guilt uh, that can you know, that can just be like the the atmosphere we're living in this time of year, right? Yes, that is so good. It comes in so many flavors. And then there can be sprinkles of regret and remorse and self-loathing that we top our <laughs> guilt Sunday with <laughs> around the holidays. We are, we are totally mixing metaphors and I love it. It's like the 80s shopping mall meets the Baskin Robbins in the shopping mall. Right? <laughs> right? It's so true. Guilt kind of like arrives so fast and hard and not unexpected at this time of year. And I start to feel it. I think when I first begin to feel those whispers of toppings and helpings of guilt is <laughs> as my children often innocently get into the car at the end of what's already been a long day and then start to narrate for me their expectations going into the holiday season. Oh, by the way, so-and-so is having this party, or I'm going to need to be at this rehearsal, or this event is happening, or I need to order these new shoes for the choir outfit, or teacher end-of-year parties, or and suddenly I feel all of the stuff coming at me, 
and I begin to experience resentment and then I feel immediately guilty that I am resenting the things my teachers, the teachers will need or the kids will need or the school will need or the church will need as they start planning their holiday, whatever is happening. And so for me, it's always a kind of a dual combo of resistance and resentment and then the guilt that comes with feeling that way about the holiday season because then my inner voice tells me, no, Lisa Joe, you're supposed to feel like like a Hallmark movie on the inside. Like you're supposed to be so delighted that all of these things are coming at you again. And instead, I just feel tired and frustrated. And I want to be like, it's not even November yet. Or it's just the first week of November. Can we just catch our breath? Like, oh, no, here it comes. Like all the things that is going to be expected of me. And I feel annoyed. And then I feel guilty that I feel annoyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely relate. You know, actually, well, I'll say it first. I think the reason I wanted to share that shopping mall metaphor is because at first when you said, hey, let's talk about guilt and the guilt of the season, I at first, and I was not correct, but at first I thought, guilt? That is not my experience. I don't feel that. <laughs> um, because I yeah, well, that's what I thought anyway. But then I thought about it, and I feel like maybe one um, door, one entrance into that mall of guilt <laughs> uh, is labeled um, saying no, or it's just labeled mm. no. It's labeled no. Yes. And yes. I have such a hard time saying no. And in myself and in my head, like when I'm alone, it is easy. <laughs> mm. I will say no to these things. I will not overcommit. I will not, you know, let you know, everyone else in my life dictate in ways that are, you know, beyond me. And so it's it's easy when I'm alone. And then, oh my goodness, Lisa Joe, as soon as I am face-to-face with a person <laughs> and I like this person and we're having a moment right. and they make a request, all kinds of yes are coming out of my mouth, <laughs> even while simultaneously my head is yelling, no, no. <laughs> Especially no. if you're related to that person or gave birth to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so that is that is my entrance into the shopping mall of seasonal guilt. <laughs> yes. For sure, for sure. I think one of the things I've learned from our conversations over the last four years, Christy, is that it's important to kind of, kind of like the kids say in a relationship, DTR, define the relationship. I think yeah. it's like we have to define the terms that we're talking about here. So English is this very imprecise language. You know, guilt might mean one thing to me and one thing to somebody else. And so I thought we'd start here at the beginning and not that we're going to have an entomological lesson on the meaning of the word guilt. We've done zero research on this, friends, except to say that at a gut level, we understand there as believers there's a kind of guilt that is a positive thing because it's a signpost. It's not a dead end. It's not a shopping mall. It's not a parking lot. You're not supposed to live there. It's right. a signpost. It's like move forward. Like this guilt is pointing you to Christ. Go and receive freedom and cleansing and walk forward yes. free. That kind of guilt is not what we're talking about here, I don't think. We're not talking about the kind of guilt where intrinsically the Holy Spirit has convicted us of doing something or other that we had now come to Christ and ask for forgiveness. That, that of course, is its own conversation, especially in the Christmas season. I think we're talking more here about the manufactured artificial form of guilt that is being breathed 
out, pumped out through all of the systems and voices and advertisements that are coming at us this time of year, where that is a kind of guilt that really does just want to kidnap you, throw you in the back of a van, drive <laughs> you to a parking lot, and march you around a mall in circles. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's what we're it. talking about here. Yeah, actually, actually, Lisa Joe, there is something. So I started to picture something as you're talking. I think you are you're exactly right. So the the good kind of guilt, which should be a temporary <laughs> experience, is realizing that we have wandered off, and it it's right. heeding that call in scripture, like throughout scripture. The like I feel like the primary call we hear is return, return. You know, mm, Israel, mm. return to your God, and Jesus comes, you know, to earth and says, you know, repent. It's all about turning back. And so, you know, a, a, an experience of guilt in that context is that signpost that's saying, no, 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 you're wandering off. Go back, go back, you know, return to right. your home, return to your first love, um, you know, return to that place of, of belonging. Um, but we are talking about a kind of experience where we are where we should be. And guilt does what you said, shows up in a pickup truck and throws us in the back and carts us off. And we relent. We say, oh, okay, I will, yeah, here I go. Yes. And we, we don't yes. stand firm. We don't stand firm. We just let ourselves be taken off to that, yeah, that, that shopping mall. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I think we'll, we'll share more about what, yeah, that particular guilt, but we're not talking about the, the guilt which, which says, oh, no, you have, you've taken a wrong turn and it's time to turn back around. Um, it's time to go back to your shepherd, little sheep. Yeah, I like that. That's exactly right. And I think the driver in that truck or van is, in my situation, often a well-meaning person who isn't trying to harm me. No, And right, I have right. actual all authority to resist and say no. And yet I feel as if I've been thrown on the back of the truck. So when my 14-year-old comes to me on a Sunday afternoon after a very long week and informs me in half an hour he needs to be at a mall 45 minutes away because <laughs> his friends he hasn't seen in three months are hanging out. That feels like he's pulled up his pickup truck and is now busy shoving me in the back. And I have these moments of frustration where I say to Peter, <laughs> I can't believe Mike is like shoving me on this truck. And he looks at me like I'm insane. Like, well, he's not like you're climbing up there by yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, no, he's shoving. Can't you see he's tied my arms and legs? And Peter's like, no, you're <laughs> his grown mother. What are you talking about? Just take the keys. <laughs> Christy's laughing so hard right now. <laughs> I hope this image helps you, friends, because that's how ridiculous that kind of guilt is that I would feel so mad, so sad, so frustrated that I have to now. And in the last few weekends, I've been working all weekend too. So like by Sunday afternoon is like my one pocket of rest and then I'd yeah. be so sad and so <laughs> mad. And what makes it worse is when I got home, uh, Micah told me, he didn't, he didn't tell me this. He just said, can you take me? And I said, I'm sure dad will take you. And and then he was like, no, dad can't. He said, you have to. And then when we talked to Peter, he was like, no, I told Micah, we are not taking him. That is not the plan because Peter is not easily hijacked, whereas I am the more easy to hijack victim in our family. So my <laughs> kid just presents it like fate accompli, like, oh, dad said, I should ask you. And so because Pete has resisted taking Micah, I feel doubly trapped into taking him. But it was liberating to me to realize in that moment, as Pete said to me, it's okay for him to be disappointed. That is a life learning skill for that kid. And we said to him, in future, 
We would love to take you to reconnect with old friends. We're going to need more than half an hour's notice. That's how that's going to go down. And the next time, it's actually happened twice on a Sunday where he's brought it up half hour before. The second Sunday it happened, it was easier for me to resist and not feel guilt hijacked because I had already explained to him what he would need to do to make that scenario possible for all of us. And the next time he gave us four days notice. And guess what? We could all plan around it and he had an amazing time and nobody was hijacked. But I am often surprised as a grown woman how easy it is for me to just allow myself to be hijacked into the back of somebody else's van and feel like I have no agency in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I'm still laughing. <laughs> Peter telling you just you have the keys, Lisa Joe. <laughs> just take the keys. Um, because in our our family, I feel like at least in terms of our kids, I am much less likely to be hijacked than my husband. And it's you know, it's a good quality in him and it's a good quality in you that you love your kids and you want them to be happy and you are willing to um, be inconvenienced when, you know, at times to to serve them and to love them. And so I had I I had to like stop Jonathan recently or or just sort of uh, yeah sometimes I just wait and he and he gets there himself he doesn't need me to tell uh, him but we were we were going out to dinner with friends and um Jonathan very generously offered to get some takeout for the children who would be staying here while you know we were going off to enjoy restaurant food and um uh, so we started a conversation with the kids. What do you want? Well, it turns out everything they wanted were things that would require their father to like drive and get it. Right. And they didn't want the things that could be delivered to the house. Yes. Which is what, what is needed. With children. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word. And I watched Jonathan, you know, trying and apologizing, getting a little stressed because he couldn't run out and get the food they want. And I just sat there thinking, I don't care. My children can eat leftovers. Like, what? Right. <laughs> this is not touching me at all. But the things that touch him are, are certain things and the things that touch me are going to be different things. But we both have our things. And, um, and maybe my thing is that I actually can be a little less selfish with my children, but where it really gets me, Lisa Joe, it's not, it isn't actually my kids asking for things. For better or worse, I find it fairly easy to say no to my children. Um, it is other adults. It is other people out in the world. <laughs> this is where this who, is going to be interesting because this is where I actually have no problem saying no at all. Right? So That's this strange. is a good balance, yeah. listeners. You're getting a little, little bit of both. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it is, Lisa Joe, but I have often marveled at the fact that the people I am closest to, the people who really do deserve more of me, the people I love the most, my husband, my children, you know, my, um, you know, dearest friends, for instance, usually the ones that I, I feel so safe with them, I might, I can say no to them. Or I can even, this is worst of all, disappoint them in order to do something for someone else or meet someone else's expectation who is not, you know, <laughs> who is maybe a casual acquaintance or a coworker or, you know, some really the person who is so far outside my circle of relationships are so far on the edge. They should be the one that, that gets the least of me and is the easiest to say no to. And yet somehow I have res- reversed that order. And am desperate to hold on to that person's, I don't know, good opinion or idea of me as just very easy and agreeable and available. Um, 
And I don't, yeah, I don't know how far down this road we want to go well, or how I'll much pause psychologizing we can do to explain, but this is this is the fact. Because now, it is. Christy, I have an image of yeah. you getting abducted by a sweet old church lady and shoved into the back <laughs> of her van. <laughs> yeah, that is the more likely scenario in my case, I will admit. It totally, it totally is. And if any of my dear church friends are listening, it is not currently happening in my life. <laughs> but but it is a pattern for me that it would be, it would in theory be much harder for me to say no to a need, you know, in like my my church community, even an ask from someone I don't know very well versus my my child or my spouse or even a dear friend. Like I could more easily say no to you, Lisa Joe, than I could that person um, at church who I hardly know. That's that is so thing. interesting. You and Peter are quite similar in this way, I think. Um, I call it the disease of politeness that he suffers from because it's so hard for him. And sometimes actually when we've been in fights, I've been known to say to him, just pretend I'm a stranger on the street and you would be talking differently to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's good to... I don't know how to explain it, but it's good to realize that for whatever reason, that is the pattern. So... That means then, Lisa Joe, that I think you can be on guard and you can be aware and you can be proactive with your more intimate relationships in a way that I need to be um, with like social or, you know, professional obligations. That's where I need to be proactive and aware and perhaps, you know, doing some kind of preemptive planning or boundary setting, because I know that's the space where I'm vulnerable. So it turns out, I think, Lisa Joe, you and I are hanging out in very different parts of the mall, <laughs> but they're related. They're related. Maybe I'm on I'm on level two and you're on level one. I don't know. I'm like waving at you down. You're down by the fountain and I can see you down yes, there. <laughs> yes. And I'm up by the Auntie Anne's pretzels because we know right. there's definitely one of those in the mall. We've each got an ice cream cone of all of our different guilt flavors. But I, I hope you hear us listeners and you're laughing along too, but that maybe this image just helps you. It's not that we have a, you know, foolproof plan for how not to succumb to Christmas guilt. I think part of it is just being aware. Sometimes we're not even aware that it's happening to us. It just becomes a story we live over and over again. I was listening to a wonderful podcast by Adam Young recently who talks about, the podcast is called The Places We Find Ourselves. And he's talking about how often we reenact stories from our lives over and over again. And it's plays out in the same way. So the same kind of fight you might have over and over with your family about how I, I'm not ready to take you to this and, and be resentful like why, like me. Why do I have to go drive you on a Sunday afternoon now and be really mad? And you might just have that experience over and over until you pause to ask yourself as the adult, where is the story coming from? Like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I can't say no? Like, why am I reenacting over and over the scene where I have no autonomy in my own life? And I think there's something to be said for the kinds of guilt we experience that hold us hostage in this way often are inherited. They're hand-me-downs from previous Christmases and holidays. And it's worth just taking some time to reflect back on the stories we've grown up out of in order to think about the stories we're stepping into in the new year. And so what I've had to learn, especially in my relationship with my children, is that unlike when I was a child in my own house and had very little autonomy over what I could or couldn't say no to to please the family, 
I'm a grown-up now who's healthy and who can plan in advance and who can tell their kids, I love you very much. I want you to see your friends, but I'm exhausted and I told you we're doing nothing this afternoon. (laughs) So um, that way the fight doesn't feel with Micah anymore. It starts to feel much more with me reckoning with an internal monologue about what I'm allowed to say no to. And recognizing I'm allowed. I'm a grown up. I don't have to eat that ice cream. No, thank you. I'll be passing on over to the Auntie Anne's pretzels instead. <laughs> so here's a sort of related tip. Um, it isn't exactly to do with guilt, but maybe more the exhaustion that can come when we say too many yeses and uh, we don't have those good boundaries. So the tip that, <laughs> and there'll be people listening who think, Chrissy, you're only just now really learning to do this. But yes, <laughs> listeners, I'm only just now learning to do this is making a shift when I look at my like if if something is asked and I look at my calendar or I think about, you know, the schedule to come. Um it used to be that I would get sort of sucked into saying yes because there was legitimately a space on my calendar. So it's one thing, it's easy actually to say no if you if you literally cannot do it. If you look at your calendar and realize you have another obligation, it it becomes easy to say no. The harder no for me is looking at my calendar and realizing, in theory, I could do this. That day is blank. That evening is free. The child has asked about Sunday afternoon. And even though I, I really rely on Sunday afternoons for rest, I could technically do this. So what I, I feel like I'm getting better at, um, is looking at the calendar and looking before and looking after, but especially looking before and saying, how busy am I in the days before? What did the weekend before look like? What is this week? Do we have house guests the whole week before? And then through experience, being able to extrapolate and say, okay, I can anticipate that I will be wiped out on that day, or that will be the first Sunday where we haven't had an obligation, or that'll be the first weekend without sports, you know, as you might look at it. And then stand firm in that and be able to look someone in the face and say, um, while I am, you know, while my calendar's free that day, I know that 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 needs to be a rest day for me, or that needs to be a stay-at-home day for me, or I know I'm going to be recovering that day from some pretty intense weeks. And, and standing on that in order to, you know, set that boundary. So for me, that's related because, you know, the guilt is one thing. Um, but oftentimes if I can navigate through the guilt, I'm just left with exhaustion because I've over, I'm overdoing it and I've overcommitted. And we know how easy, it's so easy to do that this time of year because there are so many good things on offer and people we want to see and celebrations we want to have. And, and so I think maybe that's worth mentioning as well is that, um, it isn't only the things we don't want to do. It's maybe sometimes things we do, but we know it isn't healthy. We know we're going beyond our limits. Um, we know, um, you know, it's just beyond our capacity and we need to, to do less, which maybe is a connection with last week's episode. Remember, Lisa Jeff, like this is a recurring theme of it, it's hard to it's hard to say no, yes, because in part, it's hard to do less or to feel like we are less or to feel like we're emptying. We just prefer to fill. We prefer to stuff. I mean, of course, we love a Thanksgiving dinner more than a fasting morning, right? Of course we do. But um, as we mature and as we grow, it just isn't healthy to always live in the one mode. And, and it does, I think, require just that pause, that reflection, that awareness to say, 
this might be a day or a season or a week or a moment for less. Um, And don't rush to fill it. Yeah, to just keep making room because ultimately guilt is is a filler emotion. It's trying to stuff inside of an empty place in you that might be struggling to say no to something because there's a deeper reason, like there's an actual reason for the no. And rather than unpacking that, you're kind of just filling in that gap like a vacuum with guilt. Guilt can be a vacuum emotion. It comes and fills an empty space if there isn't something intentional to put there. And so I know I love that this is becoming our thread tying all of these episodes together, that to leave room is a good thing in the holiday season. So come back next week because we're going to be unpacking. It's so funny. I'm laughing because next week we're going to talk about how not to be held hostage by Hallmark. And one of Hallmark's trademarks, in my opinion, is that they don't leave room at all. Like just imagine, if you will, a Hallmark movie set where they've decorated a kitchen. I'm always like, (laughs) how are they even sitting down in there? There's so (laughs) much Christmas decor. Every wall, every mantle, every inch of the space is covered in Christmas. That's true. So that's a little bit of the metaphor we're going to unpack next week. So come back as we continue this conversation about how not to get held hostage this season. (laughs) 